Hey, hey everyone, I'm Samantha and welcome to my new podcast, Where Crimes Dare. If you're wondering where the name came from, it's a play on a Misfits song, which is also a movie, Where Eagles Dare. This is the first episode and I'm gonna admit I'm a little nervous. I've wanted to create my own podcast for a really long time, but I wasn't sure the world needed yet another true crime, spooky stuff, weird stuff, unsolved cases kind of podcast. But you know what? I said, what the heck? Why not? So here I am and here we are. And yes, we are starting out with an absolute bang. This case has been really big in the news for the last month or so. And I felt like we should probably kick off my new podcast with something current, something currently going on that we can follow and keep track of. So today we are talking about the very frustrating and very confusing case of Summer Moon Utah Wells. Summer Moon Utah Wells is an adorable five-year-old girl with big bright blue eyes and pretty short blonde hair. Not as short as a buzz, but pretty short. Her mom had short hair as well as her three brothers and she just wanted to copy the people she loved, as most little kids do. Summer lives in the absolutely beautiful state of Tennessee in a small, unincorporated township named Beach Creek. Her home is surrounded by the woods and seems to be nestled in a decent amount of seclusion. Unfortunately, on Tuesday, June 15th, 2021, five-year-old Summer seemingly vanished without a trace from her 780-square-foot home in Beach Creek. Her mom, Candace, her grandmother, who is also named Candace, but goes by the name Candy, and her three brothers, ages 12, 11, and 9, were on the property at the time of her disappearance. So, let's get what into happened the day that Summer went missing. What I'm about to tell you is Candace's recollection of the day of her disappearance, as published by the Rogersville Review on July 21st, 2021, nearly a month after Summer went missing. On June 15th, 2021, Candace needed to bring her mother Candy to see a doctor in Kingsport, Tennessee about her knee. Candy had a knee replacement and Candace alleges while on a trip to Gatlinburg, her son kept tripping over their grandmother's already sore knee. Summer being five, went along for the ride. Candace alleges after dropping Candy off at the emergency room that she and Summer went to visit friends in Kingsport so they didn't have to sit in the hot truck or drive all the way back home and come back. After a while of Candy being at the hospital, she called Candace, said she was ready to be picked up. Candace's friend's 15-year-old son asked if he could come along for the drive. Candy was going to need a prescription filled at Walgreens, and it was estimated to take about a half hour to be ready to be picked up. To pass the time, they decided to take summer swimming at Warrior's Path. They didn't have any intention to swim that day, but they figured it was hot outside. It would be better to get a little bit of energy out by swimming for 10, 15, 20 minutes. So summer and the 15-year-old boy swam together. At some point during the day, Candace posted a few videos of Summer swimming to her TikTok account, which are now available online if you would like to see them. After swimming and picking up the prescription, they went on their drive home. After getting home, Candy said to Candace that they should rearrange and plant flowers. 
Some of his brothers were inside the house watching YouTube, so they didn't ask them to come help. However, they knew Summer loved being outside, so they asked Summer to come out and plant flowers with them. So Candy lived on the same property as Candace, Summer, and their family in a camper, and they were planting flowers alongside her camper. When they were done, Summer wanted to go back in the house, so Candace walked her about halfway and let her go home the rest of the way alone. Candace said she watched Summer walk in the front door, told her boys to watch their sister, that she needed to fix Candy's knee brace, and it would only take two to five minutes to fix her brace. She went into the home and asked the boys, hey, where's Summer? They said she went downstairs to play with her toys, so Candace yelled down the stairs for her, but did not get a response from Summer. She asked the boys if they were sure she was down there, and they said yes. Candace says she went down the stairs and she looked all over for her. She went all around the house looking for her. She went outside and began yelling for her, and she could not find Summer anywhere. At that point, she was very nervous, so she called Don, Summer's dad. She told Don that she could not find Summer and he needed to come home immediately. Don said, call 911. So she had to borrow Candy's phone, her mom. Apparently, AT&T is the only phone network that gets reception in the area to call 911, which is the phone provider that Candy had. So Candace borrowed Candy's phone to call 911. Summer was reported missing around 6.30 p.m., the 911 call has not been shared with the public, but we do have the emergency scanner's audio. You can interrupt from 110, The parents have called in and advised that the mother had went for a walk, came home, now they can't find her. They've been yelling for her. She's been gone for about 10 minutes now. Candace says she then went to her neighbor's houses and asked them to help her find Summer in case she had wandered off maybe onto their property but deep down Candace knew that Summer never wandered off because Summer never went anywhere without her especially the woods because she was terrified of the snakes and the bears and I can't blame her. The boys are sent through the creek with their walkie-talkies and knives. Candace went out in Candy's truck and went all the way down by the church that went back in the opposite direction and says while out she did not see anybody out and about, which really isn't that uncommon in a small community like theirs. As she was returning home from being out, the police had just arrived and Don had arrived as well, you know, Summer's dad, but Candace isn't sure if Don was there before the police or if he had gotten home as the police were pulling up. She's really not sure. And... All of that leads us to the actual, official, documented investigation into the disappearance of Summer Wells. The day of her disappearance, Summer was wearing a pink shirt with gray shorts. On the night of her disappearance, roughly 60 to 80 people helped search for Summer, including aerial searches from the Tennessee Highway Patrol's aviation unit. On Wednesday, June 16th at 12.07 a.m., the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, we'll just shorten it to TBI, issued an endangered child alert. Personally, I think waiting over six hours to issue this alert to the public was not quick enough. When it comes to missing children, time is truly of the essence. 
Due to the 2019 disappearance of Evelyn Boswell, Tennessee implemented a law that now requires you to report a child 12 or younger missing within 24 hours. But if it takes up to 24 hours to report a child, how long will it take to issue a potentially life-saving alert? Hours later, after it was reported to be an endangered child alert, the alert was upgraded to an Amber Alert. Later in the day on the 16th, the TBI held a press conference. Hawkins County Sheriff Lawson spoke and said they now have over 100 people from 19 agencies searching for summer, but the rough, rocky terrain and lack of cell phone service made it very difficult for them to communicate with one another. I live in the mountains, I live in the middle of nowhere, and I know what it's like to not have cell phone service for over 40 minutes at a time sometimes. 40 minutes without being able to contact anybody in the mountains. It is extremely frustrating, and for me, I'm always worried that I'll get into an accident or my car will break down and I will have nobody to contact. I will have no way to reach out to anybody because my phone's not working. I can't get signal. I can only imagine how frustrating it is to be looking for a missing child and to not be able to use your phone. The one way you can communicate with one another to get immediate tips and you just can't. And unfortunately, their radios were so outdated that they weren't much better than the cell phones. The next day on the 17th, another press conference was held, but unfortunately, they didn't have any new additional information to share. By Friday the 18th, three days after Summer's disappearance, they held their third press conference. Divers were brought in, as well as a team that specializes in difficult and hazardous terrain, and a radio system that would allow them to have proper communication was also brought in. Later in the night, there was a vigil for Summer, and Don, Summer's father, spoke to WJHL. I was at work, and I got a frantic call from my wife, and I said, hang up and call 911. And I called 911, and I come from work and drove home as fast as I possibly could and drove to the bottom of our property and I seen my boys here walking around and my neighbors all looking and searching and I knew right then that she was gone because she don't never leave the property by, by herself anyway. Days following the vigil, people kept on searching for summer Agencies from surrounding states assisted in the search. They followed a lead to a field. They kept searching acres and acres and acres of land, but nothing was leading them to Summer's whereabouts. Nine days after the investigation into her disappearance began, they still had not a single clue as to where Summer went, what happened to her, who could have taken her, where she could have gone, she seemingly has just vanished. Hundreds of tips came in, but unfortunately, none of them were helpful. January 26, there was finally a potential witness. However, they didn't know the identity of this witness. On Monday, June 14th, or Tuesday, June 15th, somebody had seen a late 90s or early 2000s red or maroon Toyota pickup truck in the general area of Summer's house. 
the truck had a full bed ladder rack with white buckets in the bed of the truck. This person is not a suspect, but they are interested in speaking with them because what if they saw something happen this summer? What if they witnessed her being abducted, her wandering off? What if they saw anything? Who knows? At the time of me sitting to record this, it's July 25th, 2021, and as far as the public knows, there's still no information on the driver of this truck. On Monday, June 28th, nearly two weeks after Summer disappeared, Candace, her mom, finally sat down with the media, News Channel 11, for an exclusive interview. Me and my mother and her were planting flowers. And we went in after we got done washing our hands, and she got a piece of candy from Grandma, and she wanted to go back over and see her brothers. And I said, okay, and I walked her all the way over to the porch, and I watched her walk into the kitchen where the boys were watching TV. And I told the boys, I said, watch Summer, I'll be back. And within two minutes, I came back. And I asked the boys where their sister was, and they said, she went downstairs, Mom, to play with her toys in the playroom. I said, okay. And I yelled downstairs for her a couple times, and I didn't get no answer, which was unusual because usually she always answers me. And so I went down there to check, and she was nowhere in sight. She was just gone. I don't go on walks around here or runs because I'm scared of the bears and snakes and even the coyotes that are around here. Did you guys hear that? She said she didn't go for a walk. Earlier in the dispatch, they said that the mother had gone for a walk and when she came back, Summer was missing. But here Candace says she doesn't go for walks. Either there was a miscommunication between Candace and the person she spoke to through 911 and the dispatcher, or Candace isn't telling the full truth here. Now, during this interview, Don also spoke quite a bit. He's actually spoken many times, way more than Candace has, and he's done little interviews here and there. Most of his interviews have been highly scrutinized, and to be totally honest, I cannot blame people for scrutinizing their behavior, especially Don. Don refers to Summer in the past tense a lot, and he immediately, immediately after using past tense, corrects himself and mentions that using the past tense is going to get him scrutinized and they're going to pick it apart. And, you know, I, I put out there that one of, Can uh, one of Summer's favorite songs was uh, Godzilla. And they say, you know, and they're jumping all over me about past tense, was, you know, well, I'm sorry about that. I just feel it and you know it, you know, when you're young. And she felt that there and, and she loved everybody in that church. Or she loves everybody in that church. I should rephrase that because they'll tear that apart as past tense, and I apologize again for that. In another interview, Don said something that felt really, well, felt really weird, felt off, didn't feel like something an upset father would say. But the statements are religious references, and I'm not a religious person, so maybe these statements aren't actually bizarre. Difference, you know, I guess, but... 
I mean, maybe they're, my kids are looking at it like, well, maybe God will bring her back, or I don't know. But statistically speaking, I mean, there's, there's a good chance she's already dead if you look at it statistically. Mm-hmm. And I hate to think that I love her with all my heart, but only God, you know, if, if nothing else, you know. I'll see her in the resurrection. As long as I keep the commandments and I do what I'm supposed to do, I'll see her in the commandments. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, I do want to make this super clear. I am not a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a therapist. I have no proper education on the behavior of people, what certain phrases or words may or may not mean. But I personally do not believe that somebody using the past tense necessarily determines guilt. Some people just have defeatist attitudes. Some people are not great at having hope, having faith, and give up easily because they're so blinded with sadness or sorrow or worry. Don even says in an interview that he's pretty much lost hope, although At the time of this interview, it had only been a few weeks since her disappearance. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing. I mean, she disappeared without a trace. They haven't found anything, haven't found a body, nothing. And, and, you know, when you see cases like that, that's why I lose hope on summer. You know, I want to keep hope, but sometimes I just, I, I, I just, I lose hope. Maybe we won't never see her again, you know, or... So I start thinking in past tense, sorry. Now let's go back to the actual day of Summer's disappearance. Remember the 15-year-old boy that went with them to Warrior's Path? Well, he's recently done an interview with Chris McDonough, who's a former homicide detective. He's provided us with a lot more information than Candace did. Due to his age, I will not be sharing his name and everything that I'm about to share is alleged. The boy says that Candace, who is 39 years old, called him a 15-year-old and said that her mom was going to the hospital due to her knee and the boy invited her over to pass the time. He alleges that Candace said her sons went to work with Dawn that day. That is something Candace did not tell us in any interview she's done. He says that Candace says they're going to a body of water. At this point, he did not specify which body of water. And he asked if he could tag along and go fishing. He said Summer had a swimsuit with her and she changed in his house. Summer, of course, was excited to go swimming. After picking Candy up from the hospital, they stopped at the Walgreens drive-thru to drop a prescription off for Candy. The boy says while in the line for the drive-thru to drop off the prescription, Dawn called Candace about a man. And this man had allegedly been stalking little kids in the area and attempting to touch them. He makes it clear that he did not hear the conversation, but he did ask Candace, hey, why is Dawn calling? The only thing that she told me from the phone call is that there was some dude whatever it was just the name okay that's all I remember is that he's been up for the up on the property for a week or two trying to like I guess she said touch the little kids 
That's what I was told. He's trying to have what? Touch the little kids. Touch like, the kids? Like give him a hug or something. Know, what do you think? Mean. Do you think that's true? I mean, it could be. At one point in the interview, the boy does question how John knew this was happening despite him allegedly being at work. He says while out, Candace stopped to get tobacco, and she also grabbed a twisted tea, which is a very low alcohol content iced tea. When they got to where they were swimming, Candace gave him the twisted tea. He does clarify that he did ask for it and that Candace is known to share alcohol and that she drinks. He said Candace wasn't drinking because she had to drive. Dono asks him if he felt like Candace was interested in him, like in a romantic kind of way. And he said no, she's married, and she treats him more like a son. At this point, he's sitting with Candace as Summer swims. There's a video of Summer swimming the day of her disappearance, which, like I said earlier, you can find online. Candace posted this video to her TikTok account. He says at one point, he saw Summer underwater. It made him nervous. He ran to check on her, and she was fine. She was laughing. 15 minutes later, they walked back to the car and went to a store called the Hippie House. He and Summer were hanging out in the car as Candace and Candy went inside. They watched some TikToks. After Hippie House, they went through the Walgreens drive through Then they went to get Sonic to get slushes. Then they went to a store called Prices, and he and Summer again stayed in the car and watched TikToks while Candace and her mom shopped. She bought groceries, including gallons of milk. The groceries went into the trunk or the truck bed, and the milk went into the back seat of the truck. Then Candace drove him home and dropped him off. Now, there is a video being shared all over social media that shows Summer asleep with the right side of her body on top of the gallons of milk. The milk is on the right side of the car against what I presume is the door. However, he claims that he was sitting next to the milk, not Summer, when they brought him back to his home. Later in the day, Candace called him and said Summer went missing. He thought she was joking because, allegedly, whenever she gets high and drunk, she thinks she's lost the kids, yet they're actually always playing outside. The day after Summer's disappearance, Candace calls him and says she's at the police station and has to take a polygraph test. I'm not sure why she contacted him, a 15-year-old boy, to let him know that she was taking a polygraph test. He says the following day, Candace came to his house and told him what not to say to the police. At this point in the interview, Dono asks him what he thinks happened to Summer. What do you think happened to Summer? To be honest with you, her grandma was out of her mind. That her mother's usually grumpy, controlling, like a regular grandma. I'm not trying to be mean, but you know how grandmas can be, like grumpy, controlling, trying to run everything. While their interview is coming to an end, he says when Candace went to their house after Summer went missing, when Candace was not around, he grabbed her phone from her car. He went through her Google Photos, into her trash, and saw multiple messages from her drug dealer. He said the only text he was able to read before she came back said, quote, It's done, unquote. 
I'm not sure how text messages ended up in the photos trash folder unless she had taken screenshots to maybe send to somebody. We didn't get any further clarification on that. Now, I would like to note that he was a little difficult to follow along. If you can hear in the last audio clip I played of him, you can hear popping sounds. He was using a popping toy or whatever it may be called to keep himself concentrated, kind of like a fidget spinner. He says he has ADHD, but he didn't feel disingenuous. It didn't feel like to me that he was searching for anything he could come up with. It felt like he was just nervous, saying everything he could, and maybe not putting his thoughts together in the most cohesive way. And that is kind of where we're at with everything. The investigation has been scaled back and the TBI does not believe that she just wandered off and disappeared. There has been a lot of criticism of the investigation and it seemingly all comes from Candace. Candace now has a lot to say regarding the search efforts. She claims that some neighbors did not allow police to search their buildings, their sheds, quote, why would you do that? There's a missing kid. Why would you not let them search? It just don't make no sense. She alleges they looked under every vehicle she has, inside of totes, and even inside of her mom's camper sewer tank. She says the police brought cadaver dogs in an attempt to pick up on summer scent, but they did not tell her they were bringing them. And because of this, her eight dogs, which she claims that they knew she had, began interacting with the cadaver dogs. And she believes that somehow their interaction may have messed up the investigation. And you're probably thinking exactly what I'm thinking. Eight dogs didn't make any sound if a stranger came and kidnapped Summer. None? Not a single bark? Nothing? Well, Candace says their dogs are really friendly and they love everybody and they don't treat anyone like a stranger. And the reporter from the Rogers Real Review can actually attest to this because they even stated that the dogs did greet them as if they had known them forever. Candace says the roads not being closed down until the next day could have allowed anybody to come and go from their small incorporated township and I do agree. I don't see the point in bothering to close down the roads if it isn't done immediately. I guess if somebody in the community maybe took her and attempted to leave town once the Amber Alert was issued, then maybe closing the roads could have led them to her, but still, I think the roads should have been closed immediately, put up blockades, anything. The TBI has also continued to question Candace about her story, and she began getting frustrated. Candace has taken a polygraph test and she did pass, although polygraph tests are not proven sciences at all. Having somebody retell the story over and over and over again is a way better way to find guilt, whether through plot holes or lies. A few things that are worth mentioning, though, before we wrap up this case. Don, Summer's father, has multiple previous violent felonies in other states. In October 2020, he was arrested for a domestic incident involving Candace. After his arrest, Candace filed an order of protection out of fear for herself and her children, 
but she did what many people do. She withdrew the filing and the charges were dropped. Candace also has a record. In 2003, she was arrested for domestic violence and disorderly conduct, but they aren't sure of who the victim was. There's not really any additional information on that. Summer going missing drew a lot of attention to this family, and people figured out that, well, Summer isn't the first person to disappear in this family. Candace's sister, Rosemary Bly, disappeared in 2009, and she was last seen in St. Cory Falls, Wisconsin. Summer's disappearance has brought a lot of attention to her aunt's disappearance, but they don't seem related in any way. I'm not going to get too deep into that because this conversation is about Summer, but you can search Rosemary Bly to read more about her if you are interested. And with that, that's all we've got. According to globalmissingkids.org, over 400,000 children are reported missing in the United States alone each year. I really hope that Summer gets to be one of the kids that comes home. I hope that Summer is okay out there. Statistically, that may not be the case, but I do hope that Summer gets to come home. As for my personal opinions on this case and my personal thoughts and my gut feelings, I think most people in this case are not telling the truth. Not the full truth, at least. I feel wholeheartedly that the most accurate information we have been given has been from the 15-year-old boy. And to reiterate what I said earlier, he was rather hard to follow along, but I still feel like he's giving us the most information. How does a child disappear within minutes inside of her own home, where her brothers are, where there are eight dogs, and two adults on the property. Within minutes, how is there time for somebody to break into the home, take her, and get off of this property within minutes? Things are not adding up, in my personal opinion. And now I really want to believe that Summer just wandered off and unfortunately got lost that's not in my heart what I feel like happened. When there are big developments in this case, and even little developments in this case, I will of course let you know on Twitter, and I would love to hear your thoughts. So please follow along on Twitter at wherecrimesdare and share your thoughts. Let me know how you feel, and if you have any feedback or advice you'd like to give me, I would be very appreciative. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you guys next time.